0: Today we're going to talk about a Savior. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Luke, the second chapter. This story is probably being read uh, by multitudes of pastors across the world today uh, because it is the Sunday before Christmas. It is that time uh, where we are. In verse number one, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. This story is as old as the Word of God and is probably as is repeated this time of year more than probably any story that we know. But sometimes because we have heard the story time and time again, we kind of miss the anticipation of what that moment was like. I mean, what you have to understand is is that when a baby is coming home, when a baby is being born, it changes everything. How many of you found that to be true? See, here's here's what we know about babies. You will never know how a baby is going to turn out. You're standing there and you're looking at it, but you don't know What's going to happen? What's, what's the next few years? What's the next twenty years going to be like? What, how is this baby going to turn out? So parents and grandparents uh, have been wondering about children since the beginning of time, and some of you are this morning. I, I believe with all of my heart it must have been that way for Mary and Joseph. Again, we read the scripture and we know the history, and so two thousand years of history helps us to understand. But. Uh, Mary and Joseph really didn't understand. In fact, uh, if you'll look in the 19th verse, uh, it, it talks to us there about Mary. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, now here's, here's what I know. Mary is at this moment trying to figure out about this child. Um A song was written a few years ago by Mark Lowry that probably sums it up as good as any theologian can. And and here's just a few of the lyrics. He says it this way. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. There is probably the epitome of theology in those few words that I just spoke to you today, because it helps us to understand who this baby was that was born on this day. But you never know how a baby is going to turn out. In fact, let me let me show you a picture of a couple of babies. and And uh, isn't that just cute? And 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 no, that's not Sherry and I, and that's not even Ashley and Zach two babies, though, that their moms and dads, I'm sure, looked at them with great anticipation and as they were born that day and as they watched them grow and even came to this point where these pictures are made, I'm I'm sure that nobody, in fact, I I will tell you this, nobody in all of history could have predicted how these two babies were going to turn out. Let me just show you who they are. One is a man who is the epitome of evil. One is the man who is, in our generation, the epitome of good. One grew up to destroy the world. The other grew up to preach to the world. You never know how a baby's going to turn out. You never know, moms and dads, what you are forming in those childhood moments in your world. Now, most of us are just trying for somewhere between these two opposites. We're trying to bring them in somewhere that they're good human beings who love God and who make a difference. See, and what we're talking about today is I'm talking to you about a baby that was born, and this one turned out to be the Savior of the world. He's the one who the Word of God said came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. And so here we are in this Christmas season. Here we are in this moment where, man, we're running and we got this place to go and we got that party to be at and then, you know, we got to go do the family thing and then the in-laws and the outlaws and everybody else starts showing up and some of them you're excited to see and some of them you just have to see and. You know and all the things that are going on but what we need to do today is that we need to remind ourselves and we need to speak in our hearts almost today about what this season is all about that it really is all about Jesus that we are in the in this moment where we need to begin to turn our attention toward him more than everything else and As I was in preparation for this series, I I began to look at Scripture and what Scripture said. And and, and we look there in the Word of God in in the book of Luke, and it tells us of this baby that's born in a manger. And and we all know that story so well. But the book of Revelation kind of gives us a a broader picture of this one who was born in a manger but who became our Savior. The book of Genesis, the first chapter in verse number 5, says this, And from Jesus Christ... Who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I'm talking about a savior today. I'm talking about a baby that was born who then became the savior of the world. He became the one who brought us to the place where we no longer are living just what we desire, but now we're living what He desires. The book of Revelation kind of paints a picture. In fact, I want to talk about a three-fold picture that this part paints. And I'm going to do that in a little different way this morning. I'm going to ask us some questions today, and then hopefully I can answer these three questions and show to you that He really is the Savior of the world. As we begin to read these phrases today, and as I just read to you out of the book of Revelation, the first chapter... I, I think there's some questions that come into our mind. When, when you look at that again and, and when, it, when it makes those references to who he is and, and, and how he, he came to this earth and, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Uh, when you do that, it, it kind of creates some questions. Now, I don't know about you. Let me ask this this way. How many of you ever have some questions in your mind about Christianity? Wow, some of you didn't raise your hand. That scares me. Either you've got it figured out, and I'm way behind, or you don't want to figure it out. And and between the two of those, the rest of us kind of fall in there somewhere and go, okay, here's here's where I'm at. And and as we look at this today, here's kind of the questions that that I, I want to. First of all is the question of can I trust him? Can I trust him? I mean, is, is this creator, this one who came to this earth, is he, is he trustworthy? The, the Bible calls him there in the book of Revelation. It says he is the faithful witness. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. In, in other words, when he speaks, he tells the truth. Now, we, we live in a, in a society that there, are, there is no truth. There's only what you believe and what I believe and But the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. He is the truth. And when when you begin to look at that in the book of John, as as Jesus is facing Pilate before his death there, uh, Pilate says to him, you are a king then, Pilate said. And Jesus answered him, and Jesus comes back to him, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason that I was born, look what he said. The reason that I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to know what truth is, if you really want to know who believes in truth, look at the people who are aligning themselves with what I say. You know, the Bible says you can't say you love God and hate your brother and yet how often people say oh I'm a Christian but man I can't stand so and so truth says you can't do that truth says that there are some things in your life that you you have to decide and live by now another aspect about Jesus was this is that he taught without regard for anybody in other words uh, Jesus was not politically correct Jesus, wherever He was, He was the same. If He was hanging out uh, with religious Pharisees and Sadducees, He was the same. If He was hanging out with sinners and publicans, somebody said Republicans, that's not what that says. If He was hanging out with them, He is the same. He he doesn't change. Now, now here's, here's what's a little interesting to me about this, is that the religious people hated Him, and the sinners loved Him. I'll take just a moment. Could it be that the 21st century church has, has lost some of that ability because what we find is, is that in, in our society, people really don't want to have anything to do with Christianity who aren't believers. And yet in Jesus' days, we find that they would flock to Him, they would run to Him, they would go to Him, even though they didn't have any relationship with Him. In fact, Jesus, the Word of God says, He he came to seek and to save the lost. He came for those who were hurting. Here's what you've got to understand today. God sent His only begotten Son into this world, not for everybody that's got it together. God sent His Son for messed up people. (laughs) Messed up people is who Jesus Christ came for. So if you're messed up today, good Jesus came for you. Jesus came. One day Jesus is on a journey, and the Bible says it this way. The King James Version said Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I must needs go by Samaria. Why is he needing to go by Samaria? Is he going to meet with the religious hierarchy of the day? Is he he going to go to the temple and preach? Is, Is there going to be some great happening? No, here's what he's going to do. He's going to meet with a lady who's been married five times and is shacking up with a guy she's not married to right now and Jesus said I'm astonishing some of you Jesus said it's more important that I do that than I show up at some temple somewhere now here's here's what we've got to understand is that Jesus was truth and he didn't ever play with the truth but he presented truth in a way that people were drawn to that truth and even though that truth is convicting and I want to tell you sometimes truth comes into your life and it confronts you in the evil that you're in if you've never been convicted of your sin and the moment in which you were living i I, want to challenge you today to allow the holy spirit to speak into your life today you say well i i don't want to be convicted oh yes we want to be convicted because it's the conviction that changes us and brings us into the place that god wants us to be so truth convicts you but truth also loves you and when the aspect of this is that you'll understand is that jesus was faithful even in death the word of god says he could have called 10,000 angels But even in death, he takes that moment and he begins to make declarations such as to John and to his mother. Mother your son, son your mother. He makes another declaration which is, Father forgive them for they don't know what they do. In death, Jesus' mind is not on his pain and suffering, his mind is on others. The Bible says it this way, it says, despising the shame and looking to the glory, Jesus Christ endured the suffering of the cross. What you saw depicted in the Passion of the Christ on a movie only scratches the surface of what Jesus really endured. And as horrible as that depiction was, what Jesus went through, He remained true and faithful in that moment. The Word of God lets us know that He will reveal truth in the end. The Bible says that there is coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. And there's something going to be called the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to be judged according to our works and our deeds. We're going to be judged according to whether or not we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And truth is going to come forth in that moment. And the Bible says that he is going to say to some, go to my right hand. Enter into the joys of heaven, thou good and faithful servant. At the same time, it's going to turn and he's going to say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. You say, oh, a good God would never, ever judge anyone. No, a good God has a foundation of truth. And when we understand that, it makes us want to live in obedience to that truth. And so what I've got to do today is I've got to come to that place where I answer the question today. Do I trust Him? Can I trust this one? The second question is this. Does He have the power to help me? The Scripture says He is the firstborn from the dead. Now when you study Scripture, you find that people were raised from the dead. Different prophets raised people from the dead. Different things happen. But Jesus Christ is the first person to die and to rise again, never to die. He's never going to die again. He died once. Now, we, we love the story of Lazarus. We love when Jesus shows up and, and he goes to the tomb and, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out and he says, unloose him, let him go, and, and, and that, that whole thing. But, but what we've got to understand is, guess what? Lazarus is going to die again. The story of the widow of Nain's son as Jesus meets the funeral procession and he walks up and he lays hands on a young boy and raises him from the dead. What an exciting moment that must have been. But there's coming a time that that young man is going to die. But Jesus, according to Scripture, if you believe the Word of God, is never going to die. Jesus has conquered the grave. Now, that's an interesting terminology that the Word of God uses, that He conquered the grave. When when you begin to understand that the Bible calls death the last enemy, it's it's the last one. How how many of you know that death is one of those things that none of us want to face? Right? Oh, pastor, I'm a believer. I'm ready. I'm ready too, but not today. Right? Right? I believe I'm saved. I believe if I drop dead this morning, I'm going to heaven. I don't have a bit of problem with that, but I'm not trying to get a, you know, get a quick ticket out of here. I, I, I got some more things I want to do. I got some more chocolate pies I want to eat. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've got some, some things that, that need to happen, and, and I'm not in a big hurry. Well, pastor, if you were really spiritual, you'd be ready to go home. I'm ready. I got my ticket, but it's (laughs) open-ended. I don't know the date. I don't want to know the date. I just want to live life ready for when he comes. Here's here's what I found out about death. It's hard to face death with faith. Now, think about that for a minute. You, You say, oh, no, I've got faith. Yeah, but death, the last enemy... It's, it's a tough one. The book of 1 Thessalonians, the 4th chapter and the 14th verse says this. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now that's, that's the foundation of the church. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or who have died in Him. So, so here's, here's where we stand today. Does He have the power to bring me into everything that He has for me? The Word of God is quite clear about this whole aspect of Jesus conquering the grave. We all know that Jesus hung suspended between heaven and earth, 33 and a half years of age, and he cried out, it is finished. But if you read a little bit further in Scripture, you'll find that the Word of God says that Jesus Christ went into hell. Now that messes with our theology, and I don't have time to develop it. But in that scenario, there was a place of the righteous dead, and there was a place of those who were not righteous. But in that dimension, Satan still ruled over both. Jesus goes in. Now now watch this. When Jesus showed up, hell got shook up. Because there had been great and mighty men and women who had, had shown up in this part of the region before. I mean, Abraham had gone on. In fact, Jesus tells a story about one who looks up in Abraham's book. We we understand that. Noah's come. Moses has come. Great men and women of faith have shown up. But when Jesus showed up, there was something different because in that moment, Lucifer is reminded of a promise in Genesis 3 that said, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And so in that moment, as Jesus walks in, as somebody said years ago, he walked in, kicked the doors down, and said, I'm here for the keys. He showed up and said, I have come for the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And I don't know what happened, but three days later, the Word of God says he came forth victorious. Over death. If Satan were an all-knowing being, he would have never crucified Jesus. That's why you should never put Satan in the same category as God. Because if Satan knew the end from the beginning, he would have left Jesus alone. But he thought that in killing Jesus, he had silenced him forever, not knowing that what he had done was that He had freed mankind forever. The Word of God says that when Jesus came forth, he, He led captivity captive and He gave gifts to men. In other words, those righteous ones who had been under the dominion of the Satan until that point, Jesus Christ brought them out and He made an open show, the Scripture said of Satan. What that meant was, is that He showed that Satan was a defeated foe. If you were a king in that day and you defeated another king, what you would do is you'd bring all the stuff that you had gotten in battle and then you would bring the defeated king and he would basically be stripped of everything he had and he would have to come behind you and you're riding in a chariot and he's being led captive. Listen, let me do this and we'll move on. If you are a believer today, you do not have to live in fear of Satan. Satan has been defeated (laughs) By the power of Jesus Christ. People often say, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm okay under the circumstances. The Word of God says that you are not to be under the circumstances. The Word of God says Satan is underneath your feet. The Word of God says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have been given the authority today to walk in power. So not only can I trust him, he's got the power to take care of me now And somewhere down the road. And lastly is this, will he take care of my future? Will will he take care of my future? The Bible there calls him, in the book of Revelation, the first chapter, it calls him the ruler of the kings of the earth. In other words, he is the ultimate authority. Jesus Christ is the authority of all. The kings are great, but he is greater. They are mighty, but he is mightier. Jesus is ruler over all of them. i I know a lot of us have trouble that we look around and say oh pastor you got have have you looked at the world this year i mean we've had ebola this year we've had isis we've had this and we've had that and we've had this problem we have that issue and and all of the pastor have you looked at the world can i say this to you i think you could go back to any generation throughout history and ask them is the world a mess And every one of them would say, yes, the world is a mess. The world has been a mess since Genesis 3. The difference today is, is that we get to see the whole world's mess. Because of all the technology and media that we have. But the world's always been in a mess. You say, Pastor, don't you think it's getting worse and worse? Well, it seems like it. But you know what? However bad it gets... God's better. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, I, I know a lot of us say, man, I cannot wait for 2014 to be over. If I were to take a show of hands, a lot of you go, man, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'll be glad on this. But if I were to have asked you that in 2013, you'd said the same thing. Man, I can't wait till 2013 gets over. Why? Can I boil it down? Because life happens life shows up and by and large life is good by and large most of us live most days pretty good but then we go through a trial then we go through a tribulation then we experience a difficulty and our focus gets off of the good and becomes centered on the negative And all we can say is, man, I cannot wait till this year is over. Let me speak a word of encouragement to you. 2015's coming. Life is going to happen. So you might as well settle it today. If God has taken care of my past, then He is able to take care of my future. I know it's hard to believe for your future. I understand that difficulties arise. And I know maybe if you're in a trial or going through something right now, you say, oh, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. But I promise you, he is able to keep that, the Bible says, which you have committed against that day. He is able. Now, I understand all the evidence for the future points away from Jesus Christ being able to handle it. It's it's like there's no way he's going to be able to take care of it. And when you study Scripture, you find out that Satan is the ruler of this world. He's the God of this world. And he still is. And he will be until Jesus Christ returns again. But here's what I know. In the first garden, in Genesis 3, mankind gave Satan the authority of this world. In another garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And in that moment, when Jesus Christ hung on a cross for your sin and my sin, and when he died and rose again, he has given you the right not to live under the dominion of Satan any longer. You have the right to live in freedom. The hands that were nailed to a cross will one day rule the world. There's coming a day, whether they want to or not, that every king, every leader, every star, every whoever is going to bow their knee at the name of Jesus and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's going to happen. People who don't believe, they're going to bow. It's going to happen. A casual look at this story that I read this morning of a baby in a manger would not in any way have you to understand the earth-shaking things that were going to come because of a night in a stable. Why? Well, if you look at this, I mean, the, the future of this child seems so in question. I mean, can you imagine your baby being born with cows and horses and donkeys all around? I mean, have, have you seen how people handle babies nowadays? I mean, we put them in bubbles for six years. Don't touch them. You might get something on them. Don't feed them anything. They might not make it. I'm going, are you guys kidding me? You're not the first. There's been some babies born for about the last six thousand years and yet the king of creation is born in the midst of a stable and he made it that's just some good word for some of you new parents he made it his parents are poor there's questions about his illegitimacy or his legitimacy however that is You study about his hometown, there's nothing great about his hometown. There's nothing great about his lineage in a sense. But here's what I want to tell you. You can never tell how a baby is going to turn out. This baby, this one, turned out to be the Savior of the world.